This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Phil Mackey. Probably wants a big amount of money and he's a pain in the ass. Judd Zolgad. Is there nothing you can't make awkward, Judd? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I have a business proposition for you. I have a proposition for you. I've got a proposition for you guys. I want to hear proposition. All right, gents. So let's hear them. It's Minnesota Sports Profit Time with... Mackie and Judd. I knew that was there. I was wow. just jumping in in the middle of it. Wow. I knew that was there. I had my mic off. I was waiting for the whole thing from, from Dave back when Dave had his full voice. <laughs> what if your voice never gets better? How would you feel well, if this is it the rest of your life? Get used to it. You're like Steve Perry. Voice over You can never be in the band ever again. In a world where you, you could do some great stuff with that voice, well, I think. Steve Perry could still show up at Giants games in the World Series and entertain the crowd. That's actually one of the more under... I feel like... That band, like all bands, get back together, right? Guns N' Roses breaks up, gets back together. Eventually, I mean, it's sure. like Richie Sambora and John Bon Jovi went to the the Hall of Fame thing together. And we can't even get these guys on the stage for one song. It is Steve disappointing, Perry. isn't it? Because he's back. He can do a little singing now again, right? A little bit. He's maybe not going to go on a tour for you know, 50 tour so dates. So is Steve but... just mad still? Or are they mad at Steve? Uh, I think he's, he got replaced, I know. He's still a little bit. It's been like two and a half decades, and he's still a little bit chapped about the whole thing. I don't know, he lost his voice, and they they said, hey, dude, we got to... found a guy on YouTube, right? Well, th- they actually found three or four other guys first, and then, like, ten years later, they found the guy okay. on YouTube. Yeah. Might have been longer than that, too. Gotta make a living. Anyways, we could keep doing this. We could talk about Journey the rest of the show, for all I'm concerned. Or yeah, we, we could, could not some... as well. Okay. I, think, I think the problem there is one song is a blessing, but a complete curse. Don't Stop Believing? Yes. Like a, it's a blessing in the fact that it's it's you know played everywhere, but I think that's also a curse because it's all they're really by most it's all they're known for. I don't know if it's a curse though because it's definitely helped make them popular well after their expiration date. They've, they've got a catalog, like a huge I, catalog. I like their catalog. I celebrate their whole collection. I do too. <laughs> and don't stop believing. Yeah, don't stop believing. The song with the stupidest lyrics known to man, but it's still damn catchy. <laughs> Just a guy walking down the street, street pointing lights. at stuff. He's in Detroit, man. <laughs> Detroit's rough. Yeah, exactly. And then bending notes. Street lights. People. And then if you can't like fill out the rest of the lyrics, just like take the end of the word people. <laughs> All right, Minnesota Sports Prop Bets. Courtesy of Intern Max has produced this segment. He sent over uh, seven of them. I'm not sure if we're going to get to all seven, but we'll go through some of them here. Let's do this one. Over under .5 games played for the Timberwolves next year. Andrew Wiggins. Over or under .5 games played for the Timberwolves by Andrew Wiggins. 
You're, you look, you're looking at me over, like I'm an under, alien right now. Over, Will under, Andrew Wiggins play for the Wolves next year? Is the question. Uh, over, yes. Okay. Yeah, I I think they'll definitely explore trading him. I think what, what they're going to find, probably for the most part, is that uh, the majority of teams that they approach about trading him will make offers, but they won't be good. The Wolves, with Glenn being involved, Glenn will get involved. Uh, Tibbs is not going to want to get, in his mind, robbed. So I think it goes over. He is very much part of the team. Now, how many games he starts could get intriguing. Yeah, he'll start. I know. But I, at least that could get intriguing because I think he's going to be here. If this, were the, if this were the NHL, I would say under. Because yeah. as Judd has pointed out many times, half the GMs are dummies, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could get someone to take him in the NHL. NBA, ugh, I, you can't get much for him, right? You can't yeah. get enough to justify it, even though you don't so. have to get a ton. I, Yeah, he's got to play a wolf yeah. next year. And in, in, yeah. in the NHL, it's, it's proven, too, that, okay, if a guy is... If a guy is struggling, like a young Nino Niederreiter or uh, William Carlson, whoever it is, like you can, there's evidence that you can take that guy, you know, put some magic dust on him, and he scores forty goals or twenty goals. So, like Charlie Coyle. Yeah, Judd's very chapped about Charlie that. Who? <laughs> Alex Tuck, a bleeping star for the Golden Knights. We got Charlie. All right, how about this one here? Over or under ten and a half sacks for Daniil Hunter? The word is at OTAs that the Vikings, Mike Zimmer, wants him to be a little bit more reckless, reckless. go for those sacks. He said 12. He said 7. Over under 10 and a half. Mm, I don't like that dip from 12 to 7. That means either he got worse or defenses got smarter and a little more on to what he's doing. So I think 10 and a half still seems a little steep. He could approach it, but mm, probably on the under. I'm going to say over based on this. I uh, I think that the the lesson probably learned from last year by Zim and the boys is that they're going to have to give they're going to have to spot guys more. I think Griffin plays less. I would not be surprised if Hunter lined up a little bit on the right side as well. Uh, I'm going to say he gets back to 11 or more sacks in 2018. I'm taking the over. I think he's uh, I think he's a freak. I think he's going to be among the league leaders in sacks the next three to five years, and I think um, now that the coach is making it his mission to sort of motivate Daniil Hunter, there's going to be a little extra incentive for him to go out and uh, I don't know, get 10, 12. I, I, think, he's like, I think he could be a 15-sack guy. I really if, if he, he is, plays. he is going to get paid an enormous amount of money. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Alright, uh, let's go to the next one here. Minnesota Sports Prop Bets. Percentage chance the Twins make the playoffs. The current landscape, you want me to start with you this start one? You start off okay. this one. Uh, the current landscape is this, in their own division, their third place, five games under 500, four games back of the Indians. They're a half game back of the Tigers, who are just four games under 500. And the second wild card spot right now would belong to the Houston Astros, and the Twins are six games behind the Astros in the loss column and, and a few more overall. So it's it's pretty much division or bust. Uh, I'm going to say it's still 15% to pass the Indians. They don't have a bullpen. And and the Twins looked like they had a pretty good handle on, on the Tribe this last weekend, taking three out of four. So I'm going to say just based on the Indians' vulnerability, Andrew Miller is uh, is banged up, and their lineup isn't, you know, it's like a half a lineup. I'm going to say the Twins still have like a 15% chance to win the division. I think uh, in the very near future, Cleveland's going to pull at least one trade, if not two, to get some bullpen help. I say it's about 3%. I, I think they're wow. dead. I think they're dead. I, I really do. I think that 
Cleveland can't sit there and not make a trade. And if they if they go get bullpen help, they'll be absolutely fine. If if Cleveland does what it should, they should win this division. They could by fifteen to twenty games again. So I say it's three percent. I think it's higher than both you guys are giving credit. I would put it at about one in four. I'm going to give it twenty five percent. The Tigers to me are still a non factor. They're going to fall off at some point. They're terrible, and they'll realize it. I mean, there's no reason the Twins can't get better, too. The offense seems to be getting better, at least as of the last week. Obviously, Polanco coming back will help for the second half. Perhaps Irvin Santana will help coming back. And, you know, there's no reason the Twins can't bolster their bullpen as well, which certainly would help. So I would say one in four. You're right, Phil. Don't even discuss the wild card because that's yeah. not an option. And you'd rather win the division anyway. So you yeah. have to get to play in an actual series. So it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's kind of a kind of a blessing that they, well, not a blessing because they have like fewer chances to get there. But according to numberfire.com, there are 19 teams with a better percent chance to make the playoffs right now than the Twins, who are at 4.7%. There you go. Uh-huh. Closer to Judd. Uh-huh. See? Uh, the, Oakland, the Oakland A's are among those teams. The Philadelphia Phillies, <laughs> who people thought would be terrible... Uh, number Fire has the Twins projected to finish 77 and 85, which isn't a total disaster. The Oakland A's, huh? Okay, then. They're scrappy. They always have random teams that just kind of hover around 500, then once in a while they'll pop they up slightly and, above 500 and right do now. it up. Uh, all right, let's see here. Uh, Minnesota Sports Prop Bets. Two more for you. This yeah. is uh, courtesy of Intern Max. Will a team ever visit the White House again? Will a team ever visit the White House again? Or is Judd right? Is it just, all right. Absolutely, this is, this yes. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. I, I, will, I would amend that to say, will a team visit the Trump White House again? Yes. I, an NBA team will not, uh, but somebody else will go. It's, it's going to be inconsistent, and it will be spotty. But if you have a team, for the most part, say, we're all showing up, Donnie ain't going to turn them away. So, yes, the answer is teams will will be back. I think basketball's out. I think NBA's out. Yes. Alabama football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, I'll Saban go, gets I'll go the invite. Yes. You know he's showing yes. up. Yeah, I'll exactly. go yes. And what will happen is Trump will specifically seek those opportunities to, okay, you know, yeah, Southern SEC school or Florida, someone, yeah, someone that is maybe more appealing to his – target audience. I saw a report last night and I didn't read the entire story that said that by that by the day the day that Trump canceled the Eagles going, Nick Foles was the only player in the contingent who was going to go. So it was like going to be Nick Foles and like maybe one other guy yeah. is the way so that it was So it's basically no players. <laughs> it, it was down to one, it was down to the quarterback and that was it. So did, is is Nick Foles do we know is he pro Trump or was he just no hey I, I'll just I'll represent the team here I'm the Super Bowl MVP and yeah. I'll go make this happen don't know and then the final one Inter Max has for us here for this segment it's more for Dave and myself and then Judd put to the test because of Judd's blatant disrespect of this team in the first segment over or under Dave four and a half players Judd can name on the current Lynx roster ooh. Hold on. He named no the looking. Five. Get off no, your no. computer. I'm not on my computer. I'm going to write glasses off. I have, I'm writing down names. I have faith my guy can name the starting five of the Minnesota Lynx. I'm going to take the over as well. I have faith in Judd. If the number if was, it was five and a half, no way he okay. could not name the six men. Let's do a little teaser on this woman, here. Okay, let's do a four and a half and a five and a half. Okay, a little teaser here. All right, Judd. Lindsey Whalen. We got one. Wait, you want to hit? Let's make this. You, you hit it. Oh, I hit the. Okay. Yeah, I got music running here. Okay, cool. Simone Augustus. 
Maya Moore. Sylvia Fowles. The most underrated player on this team, underappreciated player on this team is, of course, Rebecca Bronson. Becky Bronson. There it is. All right. Go for the go for the over on five and a half. Go for the over. No shot. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whalen at guard. Augustus at guard. Full uh <laughs> Sylvia Fowles at center. Maya Morris right, starts. Max, will Judd will Judd get the over on five and a half here? Absolutely not. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I read Link's coverage in the Star Tribune on a regular basis. In fairness, I don't know how many people could get the over on the five and a half here. Um, it's not. It isn't. It isn't. It's not a no-brainer. If I could only remember the name of the guard they traded for with Phoenix to be Wayland's backup, I would be there, and I can't remember her name. All right. I'm not going to get it. Let's go. Should. You got the over on four and a half, and that was going to drive me crazy question. now because I'm sure I'm sure there's a simple one that I'm missing. Uh, Tanisha Wright would have been acceptable. I wouldn't have got that. Danielle Robinson. Danielle Robinson. The name, That's the name. For. That yep. is the name. Alexis yes. Jones would have been an nope. acceptable answer. Wouldn't have got that. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, a few others that I don't think. I'm not kicking myself then. So. Okay. I'm not. That's pretty good. That's what I knew. Dan Hayes is going to join us to talk some twins in about 15 minutes. I got some reckless twin speculation for you when we come back if you want it. I always want reckless speculation. It's become my life. <laughs> just seeking it. Yes. Just hoping for it. It's, every high. Day. it's a reckless speculation. Hi. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And you know what they need? Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Runner goes and the pitch hit to center. Heading back is Angle. Still going back. He's at the wall. It's gone. It's gone. A three-run home run for Escobar to straightaway center field. Mighty Mouse did it again. Got him. Garber catches the foul tip. And the Twins, as they did Sunday, win this game in their last at bat. Reckless speculation. All right, Judd. I have done some number crunching here. And we can, this is going to be a theme from now until opening day next year. I think this is the most money in the target field era. This is the most money the Twins would have available. There's no salary cap. But based on sort of where they're at, with expenditures, how much money they spent on this year's team. I mean, they, they've spent, what, 120-some million dollars on this year's team, somewhere in that range. And so they're, they're willing, they're clearly willing to spend 120, you know, like the 20th most uh, dollars committed if you ranked all 30 teams. And, sure. they've, and they've been as high as when they moved into Target Field, I think ninth in payroll. And, but they're, but they're going to settle in between probably 15th and 20th in payroll because that's kind of where they are market-wise and, and their TV contract comes in. It's not, it's not uh, like top 20 TV revenue they bring in. So assuming that they're going to spend around, let's say, $120 million, maybe if they thought they had a contender, $130 million in today's climate. All right. By my math, they're going to have only $26 million tied up into guaranteed contracts. If you include <laughs> buyouts, even, if you include a million-dollar buyout for Irvin Santana, because that's – and that – that's a vesting option, so he's going to be a free agent. They're, they'll pay him $1 million. He'll be a free agent. Right. And then uh, Logan Morris, and let's say they buy him out for a $1 million. They don't have to pay him the 9 or $10 million or whatever. they. It's a two-year deal, but it's really a one-year deal with an option. 
So they have $26 million tied up in those. They have a bunch of arbitration guys. I just did some estimates here. I think it's like $30 million in arbitration if they bring back Brian Presley, Kyle Gibson, maybe $7 million. Jake Odorizzi's coming back, arbitration. Rosario, Kepler, Buxton, all arbitration guys. And, and, and so they've got between $55 and $60 million tied up. And they have holes to fill, like Eduardo Escobar is a free agent. Brian Dozier is a free agent, but I think they plug Nick Gordon into second base yeah. for $500,000 and say goodbye to Dozier. So if they're sitting on upwards of $60, $70 million per year to spend, mm-hmm. I think they're. I think this is going to be a really active offseason, depending on you know, how the market goes across the league and how quickly teams sign players and vice versa. But I think you're looking at a front office that's really setting up for this offseason to spend some money. And they've shown a willingness to go nine figures on an offer to you, Darvish. But laying it out this way, they've got all kinds of money coming off the books. Maurer off the books. Uh, Lance Lynn off the books. Exactly. Lance Lynn off the books. Irvin Santana off the books. Now you're losing Brian Dozier, too, and he's one, been one of your best players for, for several years. You, you might try and bring back. I, I could see that one. I could, too. Yeah. I could see Escobar. I think Dozier's gone. I agree. I don't think there's any way. If if they had truly w- wanted to, to bring him back, I think you approached him six months ago mm-hmm. and said, let's do a three-year deal. And, yeah. and they didn't. So I think he's gone. Mm-hmm. So here's the reckless speculation uh, component. Reckless speculation. There's a huge gap between the top two free agents and how much money they're going to get in how many years and Everybody else. It doesn't mean that there aren't good free agents out there, but I think we've seen teams aren't going to go five, ten years on these thirty-plus-year-old players. Manny Machado is twenty-five years old, and Bryce Harper is twenty-five years or whatever twenty. Yeah, I think twenty-five, twenty-six years old. They're not going to be in on Bryce Harper. I could see them being in on Manny Machado because they don't really have a third baseman, and if and he's played some short and some third, but they don't really have a third baseman. Eduardo Escobar is a third baseman, but I think he's better served as a super utility guy. Uh, I don't think they're going to sign Eduardo Escobar to be their long-term. He could be a stopgap third baseman for a couple years, and I think they'd be fine with that. But then there's all kinds of other names out there. Josh Donaldson is 32 years old. He's had some problems, though, right? Sure, but that means, okay, maybe he's a reclamation guy. I think he gets lowballed for sure. Yeah. Um, There's all kinds of pitchers who are in their mid-30s, like Wainwright and Shields. Hunter Pence is 35. Beltray is 39. And it's possible, Thad Levine loves him, it's possible he'd come in as a one-year stopgap. The Sano helper, basically. One one last chance at trying to get Sano on the right track. Adam Jones, 32 years old. Uh, Let's see here. Dallas Keuchel is a free agent. He's only 30 years old with Houston. Coming off the books for them. Interesting. J.A. Happ is 35. What's the opening? Zach Britton coming off surgery, but he's 30 years old. There's there's guys out there, is my point here. What's the two? Craig Kimbrell is 30. 2019 opening day rotation. Barrios, Fernando, Odorizzi. I'm just going through who's going to be in this rotation. Odorizzi would be... Right now, Gibson's in it. Gibson would be four. Okay, Gibson's fourth. Well, Michael Pineda's under contract for $8 million next year. I think they'd like him to be in the starting rotation. So pitching-wise, you could be in... Starting pitching-wise, I, sh- I should say, you could be yeah. in decent shape. But could they go out... Here's a question. Could they go out... So they've got a lot of money to spend if they want to. Yep. And they and they will. Like they're, they've, they've spent... They've never spent less than $80 million at Target Field. And that was for two years with Terry Ryan saying, we got to rebuild this thing. We're not going to spend money. But when they've been in competitive mode. They've spent 100, 115, 120, 125 million dollars in payroll. So sure. they're going to they're going to fill that out. 
would it make sense to say, all right, Craig Kimbrell, you're one of the greatest closers of all time. We're going to pay you $15 million a year on a three-year contract. We're not. We're done messing around with this bullpen thing. And Fernando, Rodney, it was a great year. But we've got the money to overpay on a short-term contract. Too, right. Yes, Craig Kimbrell, 30, 30 years old. Yes, and one of the most untouchable relievers in baseball history. We're going to give you fifteen. He makes thirteen million dollars right now with the Red Sox. We're going to give you fifteen million dollars a year on a three-year contract. Come on, let's do this. I, I could they see, could do it if they wanted to. I could see them doing that. I, I could see that being a more realistic scenario than than Machado. Not because they wouldn't try and get Machado, but I think that the, his options are going to be so vast. I could see them putting together a, a package or a pitch uh, to Kimbrell that would make sense for both sides. Yes. So Craig Kimbrell yes, signed, I believe it was a three-year contract with the Red Sox in 2016, and it was for 11, 13, and 13. So it was almost it was just shy of $40 million. You could pretty safely, and this is a dude who... He has a career ERA of 1.81 and strikes out 15 batters per nine innings. Like, he is just absurdly good. And he's showing very little sign of drop-off here, and he's still in his prime. Don't you? Aren't you in a position where you overpay on a short-term contract for guys like that? I think that's the play. Yes. Right? Yes. That's the play. And, and I, think they, I think they would be much more comfortable do, doing that. If, if you pursued and got Machado, we're probably talking, what, an 8- to 10-year contract? Mm-hmm. I don't know that these guys are ever going to be completely comfortable with that type of contract, but yes, if you, these strike me as people who would very willingly go out, if they see this team being close enough to a championship, go out and sign a guy like Kimbrell to a three-year contract that is enormous, but it's three years and then Mm -hmm. it's done. It's not five years. Yes. Yeah. And then there's other guys like this. Like Here's another one, kind of a reclamation project, but... Carlos Gonzalez, when he's on the field, he's he's a great hitter. Could you sign him as a DH uh, on a one-year make good? But I almost think you could take the strategy that you implemented last year and you could just 10x it, basically. It's a, instead of Logan Morrison and Fernando Rodney, let's go get Craig Kimbrell and do the short-term thing with a guy like that instead. They're in a position to do it. You'd have the room. Yes. I mean, Joe's 23 off the books right there. and And the more... The longer this continues on, you know, we, we talked about a couple of weeks back or a month back, would, would they bring Joe back on a one or two year contract? I think that's done now. I think you have to look at it and be like, yeah, Joe, it's been a great run. and You've been fantastic. And if people appreciate you, that's great. And, and if they don't, they didn't get it. But this is probably done here. Yeah, I, my tune has changed a lot in the last two or three weeks. You know, it's, it's one thing if he's out there for 150 games and playing gold glove defense, but he would have to come back as a part time guy for a lot less money my bi- for like five or 10 million max. My biggest problem right now is I have no clue and can't decide. And and the area of fluctuation here is so great. So no one Buxton. I can't decide. Well, you get Buxton, the, you get the whole season to let it play out. Sure, obviously. sure, but at the, but I'm not even I'm not even to the point right now where I can tell you I think this. You just don't know. Yeah. One thing I just I floated Carlos Gonzalez as a kind of a reclamation. Here's the thing about him though, because he plays at Coors Field for his career. He's played he's played exactly 622 games home and away. So he's played the same number of games home and away. Let Almost me, the same number of plate appearances. And let me guess. His OPS at home is 979 
On the road, it's 728. Yeah, that might not so, play a target field as yeah, well. Yeah, so these uh, kind of Rockies or die. I'm guessing scouts are looking at that. Let's let's carry this over. We can talk about this and a lot of things with Dan Hayes from The Athletic. We'll talk some twins next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Man, isn't this the greatest? On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. And those are some boobs, by the way. Mackey and Judd. Uh... On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. All right, Dan Hayes from TheAthletic.com slash twins. Let me throw this at you here, Dan. So, Eduardo Escobar has become just an incredible player the last couple of years. He's had, and, and, and he... He had a pop-up year like four years ago, too. But he's been a locked-in hitter. He's leading the league in doubles. And, and the conversation about Twins free agents is centered so much around Joe Maurer and Brian Dozier. But is it possible that Eduardo Escobar has emerged as their top priority in-house free agent to figure out what to do with going forward? I, it's very, 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 very possible. I mean, you look at the rest of the... I, I think that if potentially uh, Nick Gordon comes up, I, I you know, they have a replacement for... Brian Dozier, if that's the way they want to go. Um, I mean, I, I still think Joe Maurer, we've seen how important he is to this offense the last two weeks as he's been out and just what he means. But, man, it is going to be so hard to replace what Eduardo Escobar means from an energy standpoint, from an on-the-field standpoint, um, just the guy that can go wherever you need him to. And, and all he's done is hit since he got in the field last year um, full-time. And, man, I mean – He's fun. Teammates love him. Um, he's a little bit of a free swinger, and and you see it at times. And then he can turn around and make an impact like he did yesterday because there were some swings and misses in that ninth, eighth inning home run at bat, and then uh, <laughs> chokes up and puts it in the, the bleachers or in in the grass there. And uh, I mean, he's huge for this team. Were Were you in Chicago when when they traded him? And if so, do you recall what the the thought process was there? Because when when the Twins made that trade, Dan, we we all thought, okay, they they got a pitcher back for France Francisco at that time and a throw in utility guy, and there there was not certainly much thought given to Escobar at that time. Do you recall that deal? I was. Uh... Two months into my job with the with the the White Sox covering the White Sox, and um, we were in Arlington, I want to say, playing yep. the Rangers, and they just had a good win. Escobar had just played one of his best games ever. Um, he, Alexia Ramirez had gotten injured the night before. Escobar had played sparingly, and the whole clubhouse was shell shocked that Escobar had been traded because of the way that the coaching staff loved him. I mean. There, he, that day he was wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy outfit um, that he still wears something similar to this day. Um, the, the staff just absolutely loved him. And and so even though he was a utility guy who had played maybe 30 or 40 times at that point, the, the White Sox, I don't know that they ever recovered from that um, as far as just the energy point. Um, but, you know, you can't fault the White Sox at the time for trying that because – they needed an arm, and Francisco Liriano, they were affordably able to acquire him. And they were in the lead of the division or, or right there at the top. And I mean, that's a team that went down to the wire. They had a three-and-a-half game lead with 17 to play and blew it, and the Tigers won. But, um, yeah, it, it's not 
worked out well for the White Sox in the long run because Eduardo Escobar has particularly been a thorn in their side the last year. I think he has over 900 OPS against them the last two seasons. So um, it's one of those ones that comes back to bite them. But, you know, I, I, I remember the time thinking it was a good move just because you were giving up a potential pitching prospect who never panned out and uh, Escobar. You know, I I think when when it, when uh, Eddie Rosario comes to the plate, especially the last two or three weeks, it, it feels like this sense of inevitability that uh, hasn't really existed since maybe Miguel Sano last year or the year before. And it's like like last night he comes up and he's got a chance to you know turn that game around in the ninth inning and he hits a ground ball to the right side of the infield and you kind of felt surprised like he didn't drive under <laughs> the warning track. Do you get that same sense right now with Rosario that he's just reached a totally different level as a hitter and it's almost this inevitable feel to him having a big hit? I, I actually said out loud, he's human when he yeah. grounded out there to second <laughs> base. It's been fun to watch. He's been on fire. It's just, you know, Saturday was a good day. Sunday was incredible. Um, he's just, and, and he's had a couple of these games. I mean, we've seen him wear the tag up from shallow center field and, and uh, pushing the line and, and coming home and scoring a ball that was hit 200 feet away and then following it up by smacking face first into the wall to end the game with a catch. I mean, look, he, he has been probably there. Unquestionably, he's been their MVP so far. Uh, he's just been fantastic all around. And at the plate, he's matured so much. And he's hitting pitches in the zone. He's hitting pitches out of the zone. He's frustrating pitchers. It, the, my favorite kind of line from the weekend, you know, Trevor Bauer threw a a cut fastball, and it was probably eight inches inside. It was maybe even ten inches inside. And uh, the Cleveland reporter said that afterwards, what did you think about the Rosario home run? He said, it was in his batter's box. It was, it, like, basically <laughs> hit him. And he's like, so whatever. And, yeah. you know, it was just very Trevor Bauer answer to say so whatever and be pissed off about it. And, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it really has been fun to watch him come along. And people asked early on what his ceiling was, and I thought, you know, just go a little bit above what he did last year, and that's probably where he is, and, and maybe it's even higher. I mean, it's it's hard to say in the middle of a hot stretch what a guy's ceiling is because obviously it's one of the better times, but he is uh, he's looking like an all-star right now. What, what's your sense with him now, too, of the, the work that, that is done uh, coaching-wise? Because, I mean, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of pitches he's, he swings at, to your point, where you're like, he can't hit that, and he does. Uh, what do you think that the Twins approaches with with a guy like that? Because there has to be a point in time where it might it might frustrate you or he, he might surprise you, but you don't want to try and correct things too much just because of those hands and the fact that he can make contact with pitches that most guys can't hit. Absolutely, the hands the hands make all the difference. Yep. It's the day of the uh, three homer game. I talked to uh, Rudy Hernandez, uh, the assistant hitting coach, about why he thinks he's doing it, and he said. Well, we're doing tee work, and, and they are specifically setting the tee up on the outside of the zone, high, low, medium, uh, doing the same on the inside, and it's just very focused work. And, and he just practices getting his hands on those kinds of pitches, and you can see it. He's comfortable swinging at stuff that most guys aren't. And, and I, you know, you have to commend him for it because there's always been that sort of knock on him. Even when we went to Puerto Rico, um, his, his classmates and teachers were like, you know, we always wondered about him. He's, he's got this star potential, but we weren't sure if that 
that work ethic was there, and it certainly is, and, and he's making the most of it. Dan, is there a Buxton plan yet? And if so, does that start in Rochester? Or what's what's going to be the approach of, for not only getting him back healthy, but probably more importantly, mentally right at the plate, do you think? We, we were told we were going to get a reassessment probably six days. So today is the seventh day, I think, um, since he went on. And yesterday, you got to throw everything out the window yesterday just because the, the access is so strange for a doubleheader. Um, we didn't have a lineup in front of us for game one when we talked to, to Paul Motter. And the second time we talked to him is in between, and you get maybe two minutes. So we didn't know Logan Morrison was even out with a back, uh, step back. Um, and then you get him after the game, and that's at the conclusion of 10 hours of, you know, 10 hours after you first talked to him and seven hours of baseball. So um, I think we'll get a lot of clarity on a lot of things today. You know, Joe Maurer was on the field hitting yesterday and, and has continued to progress um, and, and was working out. Um, but we need to find out a, a couple things here. And, and Buxton, I'm sure, will be something today. But that, that's a big step for them. They have done pretty well without him right now. Um, it, it, the rest of the lineup has picked up the slack this last week. And they, they slowed down last night. Um, you know, they they only score in the eighth inning uh, against a very good pitcher uh, in Ronaldo Lopez who, who shut them down for seven innings and the White Sox go to the bullpen and get uh, get hammered in the eighth. But, you know, the night, the nightcap, no Dozier, no, no Logan Morrison. And it wasn't surprising to see them struggle a little bit. But um, they, they've done well without Buxton. Uh, but, but they really would be even better if they can get him back um, yeah. and going. But I believe Rochester is definitely in the cards. I don't think that they're going to let him go without a rehab. It, it, it really works out well for him to get some at-bats and, and struggle maybe and just get back on and going and then come up with that experience. So, you know, we'll see how long it's going to be, but um, we should have some more answers here in the next day or two. Uh, Dan Hayes with us here talking twins, Mackie and Judd. Zach Littell, it didn't go well for him last night, but what were your first impressions uh, just watching him pitch and then kind of being around him? Well, I think that the kid knows how to do it up here. Um, I I think he has a sense of how to do it, and that was a good learning uh, curve there because – He's not going to be a guy that blows you away. I mean, 89 to 92 is, is where he sits. So he's going to have to hit corners. And he saw just how much um, that is a big deal last night. And and so he gets to go back and learn. And, and it's not like he was brought up to learn how or to, to be here for good last night. It was a one-time kind of thing, and you're going back. So he, uh, he can take this and, and go and expand upon it. But he's going to have to do a lot more command work um just and and be able to do that it's not surprising that that's a guy like that gets hit in the first time because you're up there your your adrenaline's kicking in your nerves are kicking in and and he was just missing and and he paid for it um but i I think that you know it's in there he just has to kind of refine it uh addison reed has been much more hittable lately in fact he's given up at least an earned run in each of his last three outings uh, I mean, he was so good early in the season, and I, I think he's got enough of a track record. But is there, is this just a blip on the radar, or do you see something with Addison Reed that makes you say, oh, I don't know? I, I think the best thing that could happen to them yesterday, aside from a sweep, was that Presley and Addison Reed did nothing. And actually, I wrote about that last night. Um, I, I wrote about the bullpen and what their day was like, and and Reed's 
biggest activity yesterday was talking to Nate Jones and, and Hector Santiago from the White Sox, uh, his former teammates who he came in the minor leagues, came through the minor leagues with, and he spent time talking to them in the bullpen, and that's all he did. I mean, I think the 461 pitches has probably caught up with him a little bit. He's on pace for 80 appearances right now, which would, I'm pretty sure, be a career high. And yeah. Ryan Presley's on pace for 88, and we saw him struggle a little bit on Saturday, even though he was still throwing 98. So I, I think just the breather will be good for them. Uh, Reed will take the ball every day if you ask him to. I once uh, In 2013 with the White Sox, on a 99-loss team, he saved six straight games, and that was on six straight days. And I was stunned. I mean, I remember going up to him on the fifth day or sixth day and saying, you need to tell them no. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> need to tell them. And I'm like, this is a 99-loss team. Just t- This is for you. you got to just say no. And and they didn't use him on the seventh day, but it was, you know, he was willing to take the ball if they'd asked him. And I think that it's probably caught up a tiny bit. And and so a little bit of a breather is a good thing. Yeah, I like him. I, I think, and I know Presley's been uh, struggling a little bit lately too, but he's had a great season. Hey, just just we can do way more of this off-season stuff throughout the season, but <laughs> we just got into a 15-minute segment uh, before we had you on about the fact that if you do the math, the Twins with so many contracts coming off the books – They've only they only have about maybe sixty million dollars tied up if you include arbitration estimates to guys like Rosario and Kepler, so this might be the most money they have to spend uh, since they moved into Target Field. Craig Kimbrell is thirty years old. He is one of the best relievers in baseball history. He makes thirteen million dollars right now with the Red Sox. I would offer him. I told this to Judd. I'd offer him fifteen plus million dollars a year on a three year deal, and I would say. You're coming to Minnesota. I fifty fifty million dollars on a three year deal. So two part question: Am I crazy? And how do you think they're going to spend the money that they presumably have available to spend? Um, I don't know that you're crazy. I, I think the closer and and having the the ninth inning uh, sealed is huge for a team because you can work backwards, and the rest of your bullpen fills in much easier. I mean, I've seen that my entire career. Uh, whether it's been Trevor Hoffman and followed by Heath Bell and. You know, Reed was decent in Chicago. They went out and got David Robertson after they traded Reed, and, and he settled things down. So, no, I don't think so. But preferably, I want Fernando Rodney in the light show than the night in light show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's, that is so grossly over-the-top uh, fun. It, it's amazing. Um, it's been probably one of my favorite highlights of this entire season is seeing him do this at 41, but yeah, Kimbrel is the man, um, and, and he can change the bullpen, and, and it's really going to be interesting to see what they do this offseason. I mean, it'd be, that you can be a player with that kind of money. Um, you don't have a whole lot tied up. I, I, the numbers were astounding how little they had committed future-wise uh, going forward, so, you know, I think it's all going to depend on what they do this year, um, because I think that they are a team that probably will if they make the playoffs somehow, um, which is a, a tall order, but I mean, I think they're capable of it, then they're going to have to spend and they're going to have to try and back it up. But if they don't, you know, they may save that money for a year or two from now. Right on. Great stuff, Thanks, Dan. Dan. We'll see you next Appreciate week. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Dan All right. Hayes from the Athletic, the athletic.com. Fernando Rodney, man, has been lights out again. Same see, as last year. We were the voices of reason on that, weren't we? Everyone Actually, wanted him I was gone. Too, that's true. Oh, he's been fantastic. He gave up. He he's given up like thirty runs combined the last two Aprils, and then yes. a clean Nothing. sheet essentially like one in, earned run. Yeah, May and June. Um, 
And he has he's racking up still about a strikeout per inning, which is what you like to see on a staff that traditionally hasn't done that in a long time. So, yeah, I was texting with with Doogie here. We're going to get a scoop. Is it tomorrow? We're doing the scoop tomorrow. Yes, ten fifteen. And he said he thinks Kimbrel gets more than three years, forty five million dollars. I said honestly, and especially if he wanted, I give him three years, fifty five million dollars. He's the best reliever in baseball. I would do that, and then I would ask him, "Are you okay?" Maybe kind of floating a little bit between the seventh and ninth innings. He's traditionally just been the closer, and that's good too because you want you, you definitely yeah. want someone like that. And but he might not be. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, money talks. We'll give you fifty-five million over three years if you'll also pitch in the seventh and eighth innings. Okay, I'll do it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This descent into decrepitude is going to be long and agonizing. Mackey and Judd. It's going to be absolutely horrific to watch. On 1500 ESPN. How does winning an insignia tablet, $100 NFL shop gift card, or $25 pot belly gift card, just for listening to 1500 ESPN sound, those prizes and more up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds, a.k.a. the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Start winning today. Yes. Just battling Dave, through just, right now. This, Dave you Harrigan. are such a grinder today, man. Battling my tail off. How are you going to be able to pull off questions here in about 10 minutes? I've got a little something in store. You're hockey player like right now with your ability to grind through this show today. I'm Parisi with a bad back. You really are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, who was it that got hit in the Pitch face? Was it Ovechkin that got hit in the face with a puck and just like took it off the... There's oh, that on the bench, gift yeah. that goes, and you just see yeah. the bench, right and the puck hits him in the right face, and he just kind of shakes his head. Yes. Bit so. a couple teeth, let's go. I cannot get him as a shift. Yep. All right, we'll see how questions fares here in about in about 10 minutes. Courtney Cronin on Vikings off-season workouts, and she'll be live from the Vikings media golf event today, too. The Meadows? <laughs> yes. It'll be interesting. Full update on how she did and how, more importantly, Matthew Collar did. Apparently Collar had to borrow clubs for that. That's yeah, not that's the type was... of course where you'd like borrow clubs for. I was invited to play in that when I was on the beat several times, and each time I politely declined and said, <laughs> I don't think you want me playing. I'll hang out, drink a beer, and uh, talk to people as they come off the course. Uh, I think we might need to come up with a new either award or a new Hall of Fame of sorts. Like the, Maybe it's the David Ortiz wing of the Twins Hall of Fame. Former players who exploded after leaving the franchise. And the latest is John Ryan Murphy, who we talked about on yesterday's show, who has uh, eight or nine home runs and like 90 at-bats. And I was kicking this around with our program director before the show, uh, uh, Brad Lane. If we had like a wing, a Twins Hall of Fame wing, but it, instead of Kirby Puckett and Ken Herbeck, it was... Left? Yeah, and it could be named... David Ortiz is the ultimate. It can be named after David Ortiz. Yep. If you had to put five of those guys in, first ballot, let's just, let's just fill it with five. Who would those five be? The John Ryan Murphy types. He's one, all, all of a sudden, he's just one of the best hitting catchers of baseball. Okay. Yeah. Cool, dude. <laughs> I think um I think Carlos Gomez has to go on it, right? Go for sure. Took him a year or two. But he started hitting bombs and stealing bases. So is can can this be guys who who came here during the course of their career and then left and found success elsewhere? Because if that's the case, Hardy definitely JJ Hardy. Make, he definitely makes the list because he went to Baltimore and was very productive yeah. for I think, an extended period. I think the spirit of the of the wing here would be either a young player who was cultivated and had some hype and then didn't live up to it until he went somewhere else or a player that had a track record, didn't do anything with the twins 
inexplicably just took a downturn and then went on somewhere else and was mm-hmm. a dominant player again. So Aaron Harden. Hicks. Aaron Hicks. I was going to say he's if not if not in he is he's a candidate for sure. It wasn't long. Jason Marquis. Because <laughs> he went to San Diego. <laughs> he yeah. was good with the Padres. No, you know what? That was a good. I, I he took so long to throw a damn pitch. I was. I'm. Ex- I don't care if he went on. I want to Cy Young. Get rid of him. Who else pitching wise though? There's got to be pitchers who they. Or maybe well, some might not. some might say Kyle Loshad. Kyle Loshad had some good years in the National League when he left the Twins, and he was actually not. He was frustrating with yeah. the Twins, but that was the middle of the steroid era still, and so it was it was tough to get out. Matt Garza. Yeah, Matt Garza. But that was you kind of knew you were trading away a guy who was going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but he probably still counts. Well, even Liriano, he was great that one year in Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. He had a couple good years in they Pittsburgh. They fixed him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. How about this one? How about a guy who shaved two full runs off of his ERA? Phil Hughes. Three and two-thirds, only two earned runs allowed, which lowers his ERA for the season with the San Diego Padres. Was that last night or when? I don't I, I, I have no <laughs> Was idea. it out of the bullpen, I take it? He's not starting? No, he is not. Despite the they talked about He's finished two games. Converting he's, him back to start. He's mopped up a couple games. Really? He has five strikeouts and six hits allowed. No walks. No, I'm sorry. One walk in three and two thirds. Phil Hughes might make this. What list. if they fixed Phil Hughes? Garvin couldn't fix him. What if Phil Hughes all of a sudden just turns into this lights out reliever that the Twins the Twins could have converted him a year or two ago? Although he's been injured, so it probably wouldn't have mattered. Mike Pelfrey was always the guy that you thought, you know, yeah. if you let that guy pitch in the eighth, well, we talked inning, about that. Yeah, but now he retired, so no one's ever going to know. <laughs> well, let's keep thinking on this. It could be a wing of the Twins Hall of Fame, all right. and John Ryan Murphy is knocking on the door. Another guy, too, I don't know how his season finished last year, but Chris Herman hit a bunch of home runs early in the year for Arizona last year, but I think he, I think he, was, he finished the year. I was talking bad. to ex-intern Charlie after the game last night, and he informed me that there is something like six ex-Twins catchers now f- floating around. Like, jo- yeah. uh, John Hicks in Detroit, I think he's playing first base. Okay, Herman... John Ryan Murphy, Wilson Ramos, Wilson Ramos. He said there's like Kurt si- Suzuki still in the league. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, Braves. That's right. Okay, a lot of former Twins catchers floating around. All right, questions. This is going to be a gritty performance by questions, unless he has something up his sleeve, like he says. We'll find out when we come back here. Unless, do you want to tease? Or do you want to save it? No, let's just come back. Just save it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Gotcha, baby. On fifteen hundred ESPN.